wisdom and revelation that is with us tonight. Father, we thank you because we will journey by mercy and by grace. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask for leading and direction by your spirit from my heart to flow into what you have for us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord, Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, Hebrews 10. Verse 19, for they say amen. amen. It says, therefore, having, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, praise God, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, and having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water, and let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is what? He's faithful that promised us, praise God. That verse 22 says, let us draw near with a, with a true heart in, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies with pure water. Amen. And uh, let's see verse chapter 9. Uh, verse chapter 9, verse 8. Uh, verse 7, sorry. Chapter 9, verse 7, it says, But into the second, that's uh, the second, um, so into the second means actually beyond the second veil, right? Uh, when the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself uh, and for the errors of the people, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, 
which was a figure for the time then present, in the which in which were offered both both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the to the conscience, but which stood in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of of reformation. Praise God. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood he entered once, right, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the, the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, poured your, your conscience from, from dead works to do what? To serve the living God. For, for this cause he is the, he is the mediator of the New Testament that by the means of death that for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, that they which are called by then what receive the promise of, of eternal inheritance. Amen. Amen. Uh, chapter, chapter, chapter 8. Amen. Verse, verse 1, it says, says that now of the things which are, we have spoken, that this is the sum, that we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Amen. So the sanctuary and then the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. So this high priest is also a minister of the sanctuary. And for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to, to do what? To offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, so see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the in the mount, but now had he obtained a more excellent ministry 
by how much he is the mediator. Amen. Amen. He is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon what? Upon better promises. Now let's see this covenant. Uh, verse 9. It says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them right out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Say the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind, right? And write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the Greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I will, I remember no more. And in that he saith, a new covenant he had made the first old. Now that which decayeth and then waxeth old is ready to be, to to vanish away. Amen. Praise God. I want us to read a bit more about about the high priest. Amen. Let us see um, chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 5. Praise God. Amen. Every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, right? who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. Amen. So he can have compassion on, on who? On the ignorant and on them that are what? That are, that are out of the way for, so that he himself is encompassed but with infirmity. And by reason thereof he ought for the people to so also for himself to offer for sins, and no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is is what called of God, as was Aaron, but also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him that thou art my son, that today what. I have already gotten there, as he said also in another place, that thou art a priest forever after the, the, what, the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, right? And he was heard in that he feared, and though he were his son, yet lend he obedience by what by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, then he became the author of eternal salvation 
to all them that obey him. That he called of God an high priest after the order of what? Melchizedek is gone. Now, chapter 4, verse, let's see, verse, from verse 13, it says, that neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Then seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So, so because of that, amen, because of that, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and then find grace to help in where? In, in time of need. So this, this boldness is the same kind of boldness that they were speaking of in in chapter 10, amen. It said, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the, the holiest. So of course, the, the place of the holiest is actually where you find the throne. The reason for joining into the most holy is actually for the, to gain access into to where the throne. Amen. So here, here at the end of chapter 4, They are reconciling something very high and something very low. So what's very high here is Jesus, priest. And what's very low is you and I, amen. So they are trying to tell us why why we can look at these things. This is why they wrote this book. They wrote this book because of guys who began to look more at their person, their humanity, their, their own weaknesses, their own frailty. Praise God. When it, came to the, when it came to the matter of the calling, of, the, of this calling that we have to the, to the highest place, praise God. Um, in, in chapter 3, before chapter 4, he began to speak about a promise being left for us. Right, that let's see that in chapter 3, Amen. Sorry, actually chapter 4. Praise God. Chapter 4, at the beginning of chapter 4, it says that, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, that any of you should seem to come short of it. That for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it, for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as, as I have sworn in my wrath, that if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, praise the Lord. And verse 5, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, praise God. 
So this thing about entrance, that is a, is a given. Some must enter. There are some, um, no matter how this thing might sound or how it might feel, how it might be, it is actually given that some must enter. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in. Why? What stopped them was unbelief. Praise God. What stopped them from entering his word? Uh, and so they, again, it limited a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said that today, if you will hear his voice, then you should do what? You should add in not your heart. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? That there remained therefore a word, a rest for, to the word, to the people of God. Praise the Lord. And so this kind of rest, there is actually a labor that must be done to enter into this rest. Amen. There's so much labor. In fact, this is the entering into this kind of rest is the, is the greatest labor of the soul. The greatest labor of the soul will be the labor that it takes to enter into this what, this kind of rest. Praise the Lord. So, so in chapter 14, it's saying here that seeing then that we, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, that so Jesus, the Son of God, that we should hold fast our profession. We should hold fast our profession. So, so this profession, praise God, is not, um, so you would term this to say profession, what you say. Right, you just or it's almost like a confession. Like say, this profession is not just something that you say; it's actually something that you. It's a career, amen. In the spirit, um, it's actually you are. God is looking for professionals, right? People who will be who will be professionals when it comes to matter of rest, matter of entering and coming into rest. People who won't just be okay with their souls being like that and their souls not having come into the rest that God has what a portion for the, every man's soul to come into. God is looking for people, praise God, who will be willing to take up the profession. Amen. So, so this profession is the same profession that, that they were speaking of, which also our Lord Jesus Christ has in chapter 3, verse 1, where he said you should then consider him. Praise God. He says that therefore, holy brethren, so these are the people you talk about, these high priests are brethren who are actually have come into holiness. Right? So they've come into some, some stature, some state of holiness. Right? He said these holy brethren who are then partakers of the word, heavenly calling that you should consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession. So, of course, there are holy brethren who are brethren. We spoke about this brotherhood. You know what is, who these brethren are? Brethren are people who have gained requirement. They've actually, brethren are people who have gained the credentials. Praise God. They've gained what? The credentials for or they've gained the development for for 
the higher profession, for, to move into the school of their profession. It's like going from high school into the university. Praise God. Or going from, yeah, high school. What do you call it? It's high school. Secondary school. Praise God. I'm so sorry. Um, then going into, into a, nobody can be, you don't, you don't see a high school person and call the person a professional. They are not a professional of anything. Praise God. No matter what they learn, they are not a professional. The only, there, is only, there, is, there are institutions that have the, they have the ability, the authority to, to make a person a professional of, in a particular matter. In a particular school, a professional is somebody who has the authority of a discipline. You have a, the beginning of authority. It's not someone can be a professional, but when you say profession, it's long. There are different levels, there are different kinds, and different you know, dimensions of a profession. Praise God. So, but professionalism begins at a point, and. University, when you say you, are, you can be schooling, studying to be a professional, amen. But in high school, you have to have finished your high school. But you now discover a lot that sometimes finishing high school is not enough. They don't just carry you because have you finished high school? They check you, they check your, your or go and check your result. Okay, you finished actually high school. They say, okay, because you finished high school, so let's now, you now have the ability to enter into any university, just like that. No. They have to, they have to every university has a right to make, to choose. They have a right to, then, however they want to do it is up to them. They can say, like they started doing in Nigeria at some point, at some point, you write a general exam called JAMB to get into university, but after a while, the university said that, no, we can't just give the authority to this national thing to bring all the students. We want to choose our own students. So they began to have post-UME exams, praise God, which is a further examination so that you then have to do for you to gain access into that institution. Do you get what I'm saying? So you now discover that that's for some universities, there are certain things that they are particular about that you have to be very, very versed in, regardless of your schooling or the, regardless of how good you are, what you are taught in your high school. Are you getting what I'm saying? You now discover, so some people, they now have to, now discover there's another new curriculum that they have to begin to learn. Some people have to now go for lessons. After you've done your high school, then you now have to go for lessons to, in order to meet up. So that, that's, that extra schooling is, the, is actually the school of entry. It's an entrance examination, right? It's for it's a school, amen, to gain entrance into a profession, into the learning of a profession. Praise the Lord. So, so this so it's very clear that these brethren are the 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 high schoolites. They are the people who are maybe they've come into the the fullness of their the, the lower program. Right, amen. The, the lower program of development which you need before you can move into the school of the profession. Praise God. So, these, these holy brethren, and then they, they, are, they, they are holy brethren because they are holy brethren, they are partakers of the heavenly calling. 
Amen. So the, when you say the heavenly calling, what this heavenly calling just literally means is that there are callings on the earth. Men have, have find calling. When you hear the word calling, oh, I have a calling for this. Calling is an English word, of course, but we have to now interpret it. What does it mean to the soul? Right? A soul. Praise the When you say someone has a calling, it's not someone that says, I have a calling. That's not what tells you have a calling. What tells that you carry a calling is they have to open up your soul and see that is there anything that, that your soul is bound to do, to fulfill. What, anything that you feel you are bound to, to fulfill, praise the Lord, everything you feel you are bound to fulfill on the earth is a calling. So there are many things that souls carry as a calling that they don't even know that it's, a, it's actually a calling because they haven't sat down to really think about it in that way. Amen. If someone says, for example, that um, you come to Canada, I am going to be a landlord in Canada. It's a, it can be a calling. If you carry it in your heart in such a way that you, are, you bound yourself to it, it's a calling. And that calling, you don't know. Is it, did you call yourself? You might say, oh, yeah, I called myself. Well, you're not the one who called yourself. Something. There's something. It's a spirit. It's something that entered into your heart that dropped a calling on you, that you picked it, and you took it and owned it, that no matter what happens, this is what I am going to be. I'm going to, it means that a calling is this. A calling is anything that you spend your soul to get. Is a calling. Praise the Lord. Is there anything that you, you, you're willing to spend your soul to get? So every man has his own calling. Every soul has his own calling. Every person has his own calling. Yeah. Your calling is what are you pursuing? That thing. And every person is pursuing something. That thing that you're pursuing is your calling. Praise God. So, so when you come to the earth, you find callings. Man, the earth is full. The world, actually, is spiritual design to give calling, to call men. The world is Satan designed the world to call men, to put calling. To, another word for calling is, um, is, to, is, the, is the target of pursuit. To pursue. When it, the way calling registers in a soul is fire, energy to pursue. The, a calling is something that the soul finds strength to pursue. Something that you have energy to pursue after. Praise the Lord. So you now find that the world has, has distributed a lot of callings to people. But there is what you call the heavenly. When you now go into heaven, you now discover that there is something in heaven, in, in heaven that is also called a heavenly calling. Praise <laughs> God. It's, the, it's, called, it's actually not, it is the heavenly calling. It's actually a calling that is heavenly. And the calling of heaven is not anything that's outside of God. Because heaven is a holy place. Right? Heaven is what? Heaven is a holy place. So heaven is not a place where you will find different kind of calling. You won't see different angels having their own callings. Praise God. When they, the calling of heaven is actually united. Everything that is done in heaven. Is for a particular calling. It's towards one particular calling. 
Praise God. Are you getting me? So, but when you get to heaven, you won't see an angel saying, oh, I have a calling to be this. I have a calling to be that. No. And angels, angels are not like that. Then you now find that there are spirits in the world who, when they see that calling, they know how to nurture a calling in a person and to, to help that person bring it to pass. So you see, you see that the person, you find all kinds, you find demons, demons who can help that calling will come around. They will develop the man or all the demonic operations, tendencies, demonic skills, demonic um, um, things that the soul needs to be furnished with. Praise God, like lying, cheating, for example. They are demons. They are, those are, they are energies, fires of demons. And it can be that for you to, be, to attain that calling, there's a certain level of skill in cheating you must have. There's a certain level of skill in lying you must have. And they will wait. They will send the demons who need to work on you to achieve that level of development and skill, they will make sure that they are there. They will make sure that they will be training you. You are not there yet. You need to work on this thing. They will be giving you strength, praise the Lord, creating the environment, giving you opportunity to exercise yourself, praise the Lord, amen. You will be doing practicals. You will be doing all kinds of things, amen. Praise God. They will make sure that you, you, you master that skill. Then... When you master it, they can, they can lead you to a higher level, to higher spirits who can help you to, to gain more stature. Maybe the stature of malice, for example. Is, is, that, that malicious power is something that you must have. In other words, if someone does something to you, you must have the ability not to forget, to keep malice, malicious nature in a certain way. Amen. Those are nature of spirits. Praise God. So... All these spirits, from the lowest ones, from demons to the realm of principalities, powers, then the realm of rulers of darkness of the world, and even to high wicked spirits, they are all helpers of calling. In fact, that's what God made them to be. God made them for, for to, they are like, um, they are, angels are storage houses of powers, of potential of ability. They're actually vessels, storage vessels of different strengths and at different places that God put them. And they are there to aid people who are journeying. When you get to their realm, they pour their own strength into you and they help you to push you forward to the next place. Are you getting me? So angels, they, are, they were actually designed, they were designed for them to have at some point some kind of interface with man. And when you interface with an angel, they, do, they just do what's natural for them to do, which is to pour their nature. Whatever is inside them, pour it into you. Train you. They're they actually trainers and they're actually developers of men to train you and train you and train you till you, you learn their nature. Amen. If your soul is open to a demon, maybe a demon in a certain way that has certain attributes, that demon will not let you go. You can't taste small and then go away. The demon will say, no, 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 no. I've cited in you that you have the capacity to do well in what I'm carrying. And, and, and they, they are that way. They don't leave. They, don't, they are warriors. They are fighters. It's a nature in them. It's, it's not in them to just 
leave you and go and rest. No. When Jesus, Jesus said that when you cast out a demon, it goes away into dry places. When it goes to dry places actually means without attach, soul attachment. Right? They just go to dry places. They are not, there's no work there. They're not doing any work there because they are not ministering. So they will roam about, but they can't be comfortable. They must come back. They want to come and check. They are waiting. Is there a vacancy for me? Then he will go and call seven more. Can we gain access? Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so that's the nature of, of spirits, right? They are developers. They actually train us. They have this so much love to pour what is in them, to share their content and to share their nature with men. Praise God. Amen. 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 So, so it's very clear that we don't need those fallen angels to help us. So if you want to be free from falling angels, you have to change your calling. That's what you have to do. You cannot carry a, a corruptible calling in your soul and then not be, ex- and, and not be attractive to spirits who are in tune with such calling, who are developed to, to, to develop such calling. Amen. Once you carry a calling in your heart, the spirits who, are, who, have, the, who are, have the capacity to develop that calling, they will be coming around you to develop it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So we have to be careful with like callings and all of that, right? So I thank God for the New Testament. So they have, um, the purpose, one of the main reasons of Christ, the purpose of Christ is to actually change your calling. Right? Christ, actually Christ is a calling. That's the meaning of Christ. It's actually a calling. It's a calling. Christ is a calling. So, Christ is first a calling to your spirit. When you are raised from the dead, you are called from the dead in, by, in your spirit. So it's the, it's the deposit of a calling within your spirit man that makes you rise up from the grave. Nobody can come out of the grave without being called. It is a call that makes the dead to rise up. Like when Jesus called Lazarus, Right? Come, they are losing him everything. Amen. They are, sorry, they had opened the door of the grave. Dead in the grave, right? So Jesus had to call him from where? From outside. So he was dead. So it means that the dead can hear certain things. Right? So dead doesn't mean that he couldn't. There's something a dead can hear. Actually, there's only one thing that a dead can hear. The dead can hear the call. The call. Call. Any kind of life-giving call. Is the only thing a dead man is programmed to hear. Hallelujah. Praise God. So if you try and make a dead man respond to anything, he will not respond. If you want to respond to something, first give him the only one thing he can respond to, which is a call that is life-giving. You have to call him back. Come out from the dead. Come back to the, to the land of the living. Come to the realm of the living. And the Bible says that that dead came, came forth. Praise the Lord. So Christ, so that was just a, that was just like a, is a teaching. What happened with Lazarus? Like Jesus going to teach something. You know, as soon as he got to the scene, he began to teach with every moment. They asked him a question, he would teach. 
He asked him a question, like Martha was asking him questions. He began to teach about the, he just was actually teaching the doctrine of, of, he was teaching the doctrine of life and the doctrine of everlasting life. That was what Jesus, it was a revelation that God wanted to use. Say, Jesus, your, your friend Lazarus is dying. He wanted to go. Everything in his being wanted to go. The reason why we know he really, really wanted to go was his emotional reaction when he got there. I discovered that his friend had died. And he actually wept and he cried. Praise God. So it means that he was actually constrained by who? By the writer of the scripture, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, 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 you love Lazarus. But this is a, script, a scripting moment. This is a, Jesus was used to scripting moment because he was moved by the spirit for the purpose of the scripture. Praise the Lord. So he had to wait and not go. And then he, Lazarus died. I think four days later, they released him. That you can go now. And as soon as he got there, then the question came, ah, if you were here, Lazarus would not have died. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, don't worry, it's okay. He said, no, I know, I know. You. I will. In the last day, you raise him up. Then Jesus began to teach. No, no, no. You see, I am actually the resurrection and I am the life. And he began to teach the difference between, you know, nowhere do you see that understanding as clearly put as in that John chapter 11, right? Where he said that if a man believes in me and he's dead, he will what? Rise again. Right? Then if a man liveth and believeth in me, then he will never die. Those are two different operations. <laughs> Do you understand that? So, so he, was teaching, he was teaching two things. So he, he was teaching what they give to the dead and what they give to he who is alive. That what they give to the dead is resurrection. Come back. What they give to he who is alive is never dying. So that is everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, so of course, so you see why, so the, of course, life is Christ. Right? While everlasting life is the life of God. That life is the life of Christ. Then the everlasting life is the life of God. So everlasting life means the ability not to die. Or everlasting life actually means strength beyond death. Strength beyond death. What is stronger than death? What is stronger than the grave? Amen. Life is not stronger than death. If life was stronger than death, there would be nothing like death. Do you, I wonder if you have ever thought of that before. Do you, how many of you know that? That the grave is strong. The grave is actually, there's a strength. There's a strength of the grave. The grave is, grave is actually an everlasting thing. The grave is everlasting. That's why the grave can, someone can die. Someone's time on the earth is numbered, but your time in the grave is not numbered. Praise God. 
Think of guys who died 2,000, 3,000 years ago. They never left the grave. The grave still has strength to hold them. The grave never lost its power one day. You saw, you saw your great, 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 great uncle just came out. What happened? Man, just, I just found, I found my way through. <laughs> I just, one day the grave was sleeping, I just jumped out. <laughs> it's not possible because death is everlasting. It's an everlasting operation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, so, life, I said, life needs something that is living. It still needs something better. Something that is, when you are alive, you, there's something you should still be afraid of. It's called death. As long as that life has not been given in a higher way, and that was what God sent his son Jesus to do, that you may first have life, and then after you've had life, then have life what? More abundantly. So life and life more abundantly is what Jesus was teaching in John chapter, John chapter 11. Praise God. So what I was saying is that life is the, is the calling. Life is the calling. Everlasting life is the profession. Amen. So life is what the calling. And ever what? Everlasting life is the profession. Praise the Lord. So here, so these brethren are, holy brethren are partakers of the calling. So what makes you a partaker of this heavenly calling is actually your Christ development. Once Christ has been developed in the soul, Christ has settled in the soul. That is a called soul. So a soul, when you see a Christ on the earth, this Christ is a called man. This man has a calling on him. That's why you must do everything to become Christ. You must do everything to do what? To become Christ. Because Christ is the calling. Is the calling. When a soul that has Christ on that soul rests a calling. Praise God. Are you getting me? So, say partakers of the heavenly calling that you should consider then the apostle and the high priest of our. So, you are already called, but now there's something higher that something the calling is for. What are you called for is actually for a profession, and that profession has. A high priest. Amen. The apostle. And then what? So the apostle means different things. Apostle actually means he's the, he's the sent one of it. He's the sent one of it. So that word apostle, sent. Sent. Amen. The word apostolic. Apostle of. The apostle of the profession. Is actually the person who is authorized with the word of the profession. Right? Is authorized with the word, the word of the profession. Do you agree? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When Jesus was saying in the book of 
John the Baptist was saying concerning Jesus that he who God has sent speaketh what? The words of God. That word, he who God has sent, you see that it's not, that sending is not him taking on the likeness of his sinful flesh, no. That sending, when God sent him, who God was sent, when Jesus was speaking about him who is from heaven, he said, no man, Amen. Amen. Was speaking about he coming, who he who came from heaven. Right. Speaketh from what? From heaven. Praise God. Let's read a little bit of those things. I want us to read the exact words. Praise God. In chapter 3, that's where Jesus began to speak about these things, right? Remember, um, we read chapter, chapter 1, we read chapter 2, right? Chapter 2 was the wedding, then chapter 3 was when Nicodemus came to him. And then, this was, in chapter 3 was the first time Jesus began to speak about the kingdom. Praise the Lord. And so, in chapter 12, it says that if I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you be if I tell you what? Heavenly, heavenly things, and no man had ascended up, but came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. So what does it mean? What does it mean that he had told him earthly things? Praise the Lord. What does it mean that he had told him earthly things? Now, he, what he told him here, there are things that normally you would think, you you would think are heavenly because he spoke about seeing the kingdom, and he spoke about entering the kingdom. Are you getting me? So you say, why would he say I spoke about heavenly things? But what he's actually speaking about here, um, because Jesus was actually, well, this, was a, this was a conversation between one professional and another professional. So, so they are speaking the language of profession. Do you understand that? Because that's what Jesus was addressing him as a master. Say, so are you a master of the Jews and you don't know these things? He was one master. Then when he came, he had said, good master. I know that thou art a... Am I... Am I oh, praise the Lord. Or oh, he called him rabbi. Rabbi means what? Teacher. Teacher also means master. Praise the Lord. So, so rabbi means teacher. They say, I know that thou art a what? Teacher. Come from God. So he was one master to another master. Right. So this was master, talking about conversation about mastery. So it's very clear that if you are speaking about mastery, entering into the kingdom doesn't fall into the category of mastery when it comes to the things of God. Do you get that? So when you're beginning to speak about the mastery of the things of God, you're beginning to speak about a dimension in the kingdom where the profession of the, the heavenly profession actually begins from. So that realm where the heavenly profession begins from, those are the real kings of heaven. Christ is intro to heavens. 
Christ is introductory heavens. Christ is not real. It's, not, it's heaven, but like you, when I went to university, my whole first year, I did engineering, all my engineering courses in my first year. Many of them were engineering courses, but when you go into what we are learning, many things that we're learning, they are learning them in high school. Your first year circuits class, those who are doing electrical engineering, is the same circuits that you have solved already. If you did a little bit of intro tech or something in, in high school, even physics, in your, in your high school physics, the same circuit you solved there, that's the same circuit. If you did engineering, let's say, um, any of the mechanical engineering courses, let's say statics, for example, analyzing structures and all of those things, forces and all that. It's just physics. Do you believe me? I'm sorry, I was engineering. So people who are not in engineering, I'm so sorry. That's the one me I read, so that's the only one that I know. But you get what I mean? So sometimes, even, first, even second year courses, they are not, you've not really started. So they are the preparation for... So anybody who does that level, you're not a professional yet. When they, they begin to pour the profession on you, beginning from your third year up, that's where they begin to introduce the profession. Are you getting me? So, so the profession is the part of the course that introduce, that includes things that nobody can know about, that, that nobody can actually just, that, that they don't overlap with any other discipline. Right, there's nobody learning something else. Who is learning that thing? Those are the matters of the profession. Are you getting me? And so, and then that level of learning is actually the level of level of mastery. That's where you be. You are a master of something. Praise the Lord. So, um, he says, "If I've told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things?" And no man had ascended up to heaven. You see. But he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is where? In heaven. So what he was telling that right now, me, I'm in heaven, as I'm speaking to you, because me, I came down from heaven. So what he's telling you is that I can come down from heaven and talk about earthly things. So when him coming down from heaven, he's talking about this conversation I'm having with you right now is from a lower place right now. Uh, because I have to descend. Even though you are a self-acclaimed master, but you're actually a disappointment. You should be ashamed of yourself. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because you don't know. You're a master. You're a master of nothing. Praise the Lord. And that's where he went on to now say, in verse 16, how God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but do what? But have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Let me just read one more. If you've not been reading the book of John, just go on. This is the time to read John, okay? If you haven't picked that up yet. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Oh, we give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. We give you glory. Glory, Jesus, we give you glory. Oh, we worship you. In chapter 6, let's see.
In chapter 6, Jesus was saying, I am the bread that came down from heaven. You see, this? that's the same conversation, right? Okay, let's see. Let's see chapter 8 instead. I don't want to go into chapter 7. Because it will take journey to bring it out from there. Amen. Well, chapter 8, Jesus said it some things more plainly. He said, um, verse, verse 14, said, said uh, Jesus answered unto them, Do I bear record of myself? He said, Yet my record is true, for I know whence I came. And whither I go, but ye cannot tell whence I come, and whither what I go. Why? Because you judge after the flesh, and I judge no man. Amen. And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. Praise the Lord. And it is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of my Father, of myself, sorry, and the Father that sent me, he beareth witness of me. Praise the Lord. Now let's go down to verse 28. It says that when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he and he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father had taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that do what? That please him. Praise the Lord. In verse 40. Verse 42, praise God. Says, if God were your father, you would, have, you, you would love me, right? For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Amen. Now, verse 47, it says that, He that is of God heareth God's words, and ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not what? You are not of God. Praise the Lord. So you see um, that Jesus is, is, make, is speaking about where his own authority comes from, where he is speaking from, that he is actually speaking from a high place, which is actually he's someone who has come into the, the words of God. He has the authority of the word of God. Right? He actually brought, is bringing a, a God conversation, a higher conversation, praise the Lord, from the earth. And that authority is something that, that his father, which is God, had given to him. Amen. Amen. So, so a professional is actually somebody who has, who is the owner. He has come into like ownership. He has come into authority of a, a, spe- a specific kind of word. 
Praise the Lord. And outside someone with that kind of authority, they cannot come into that kind of world. So the institution that, are you getting me? The institution that gives the profession, this profession of the heavenly profession, amen, is actually a dimension in heaven. Right? It's actually the realm of God in heaven. That is actually the, the place, praise the Lord, that brings this, um, this uh, that gives this kind of authority. So quickly, let's go back to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. So he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, you see that? They should consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession. Who was, that's Christ Jesus, right? Who was faithful to him that appointed him as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And then he said, this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who had builded the house had more, what? Honor than the house. Praise the Lord. Now, When you go here, they began to speak about Moses' house. The entire journey in the wilderness. Then, verse 12, from verse 12, they now began to relate that with our own journey. They are telling you to take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. In where? Departing from who? From so when they are talking about departing from the living world, is actually he's talking about is actually a specific point of departure. Is he's talking about departure from your profession? It's like saying it's it's like saying somebody does you don't want to go on to to mastery. It's like someone who just goes to high school and says, okay, I'm, I'm, at least I'm, I'm literate, so I can look for something else. But you are not willing to receive a profession. So that kind of attitude is called departure from the living God. So, and that was the, the big scene of the Israelites, those fathers in the wilderness, who, who, uh, is that they were not interested in the living God. They were not interested in the dealings of what? Of the living God. So it says, but exhort one another daily well, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Right? It's through the deceitfulness of sin that makes a soul, a heart hardened to a point where they can um, depart. Praise God. For if for we are made partakers of Christ if we, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto what? The end. So that word made partakers of Christ. Right? If, we hold, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Right? If it is said today, if we will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard it, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of 
Egypt by Moses. Say, but with whom was he, what, grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? We, so we see that they could not enter in because of what? Of unbelief. Praise God. Amen. Okay, so they are marrying something here. They are marrying, this is wisdom of, of um, Paul, as part of his labor for souls that need to come into this entrance. That's what the main purpose of the book of Paul, of Hebrews. Hebrews contains the curriculum for entering into the most holy. Hebrew, Hebrews actually contains, the, Hebrews is, a, is a, an epistle of warfare against attitudes in the heart of soul. All kinds of attitudes. The one that is not interested in it, the one that thinks it's too much work, the one that thinks it's too much labor, the one that's enticed by other things. Praise the Lord. The, all kinds of souls, the, everything that will stop a soul from moving forward. Amen. Into gaining hold and mastery of their profession in the spirit. That's what this book is, re- is written for. Amen. Amen. So, he's now marrying um, this, the, the consideration of the, of the high priest with Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. So, considering him and He's now tying it with the, of course, Moses' own work, right? And then the journey of the Israelites in the wilderness. Amen. Amen. So, you now discover that the purpose of the journey of the Israelites was to bring them out of the world, give them stature in the wilderness, stature to meet the living God. Do you understand that? That was actually the purpose. The, the reason why God told Moses, go, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go that they may come and serve me. To come and serve him was actually, is for the service of God. That's why they actually brought them out of the world, of the wilderness. Amen. So they, they were supposed to come there, gain some development from the wilderness, some purification. The, in the wilderness, that's where they were supposed to gain their calling. Right? They were supposed to gain their calling. And then as they called people, move into the place of their actual profession. Amen. Amen. But, they, but they fell short of it. And their own journey is actually an, is a lesson. It's a lesson for us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Moses. When you say calling, Moses was Moses was a type of Christ. Moses was a type of what? Of Christ. The way the Holy Spirit wrote it out, he played it out in the Old Testament. Moses' job was the one who was supposed to bring 
bring Israel out of Egypt, the way Christ brings you out of the world. That was Moses' job. Christ does two things, brings you out of the world and then prepares you, develops you for your profession. That's what Moses did. Moses brought them out of the world. In fact, the word Moses, Moses means brought, was it drawn out or drawn out? That was a prophetic name. You know the way names were in that time. Because, because Pharaoh's daughter named him drawn out because she drew him out of water. But she didn't know she was prophesying into his, his life, that his destiny was the one who would draw them, bring them out of Egypt. Right? So, <laughs> That word, Moses, was to bring them what? Out of what? Egypt. So it was, his name was a prophecy. That after God had raised him, we had to go and bring them out from the waters of Egypt. So Moses went to go and bring, bring them out. Amen. So he was, a, he was a type of Christ. So then you saw the way the Holy Ghost played it out. Moses brought them out. And then developed them to the door of entrance, which was actually, he brought them around those, that plain of Moab, which was before the Jordan. Yes, sir. Yes. Right, which was before Jordan. And then at that point, that's when Moses' ministry with Israel ended. He brought them out. But then another man has to take them forward, which is to take them into the promise or into the land. So that's not the job of Moses. That's a, a job of a Yeshua or a, a Jesus, a Joshua. That was the Holy Spirit playing with, with their names. He was describing the New Testament with their names. So the word Jesus means, it means that God saves. God is salvation. Right? So there is there is. There is the, there are different operations, right? There is the one who rescues, who brings you out, and there's the one who saves. The saver is the one who, who does the everlasting work, because salvation is an everlasting work. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, Joshua, so Joshua was not Jesus. Joshua was like a Jesus, right? Now, when I say Jesus, I'm not saying Jesus of Nazareth. To, I'm talking about the Jesus, not Jesus of Nazareth. It's the Jesus who God anointed to do good. The, we're talking about the Jesus who is... The, the Jesus who was the man of his name, the, ma- the main man of his name, is the, the, the Jesus who interpreted his name. The Jesus of Nazareth, who, was doing, who initially began to, to leave. You know, even Jesus of Nazareth was not doing miracles. Healing those oppressed of the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when you say Jesus of Nazareth, you say, you know, Jesus of Nazareth is just a miracle worker. No. Jesus of Nazareth was not the miracle worker. Jesus of Nazareth, nobody knew him. Jesus of Nazareth was living in Nazareth 
with his parents growing up. Nobody knew about him. That was that Jesus of Nazareth. The Jesus of Nazareth that we talk about later is the one who God had anointed with two kinds of operation. An inward operation, a hidden one, and a veil upon it, which was the one who was doing working miracles and all of that. Praise God. So it was that one who God anointed which fulfilled the name called Jesus. The word Jesus means God saves. He's actually the fulfillment. So he's actually the everlasting man is the one who fulfilled that name. But at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. That was after God had actually given him a more excellent name, which was actually the inherited, who by inheritance obtained a more what, excellent name. Than so the, word, the name Jesus is actually the name of inheritance, right? When you actually bear the name, name of inheritance. Am I making sense to you? Like Joshua was a man of inheritance, too. Do you know that Joshua followed Moses to the mountain? You know he didn't run back with, with like Israel. Go and read it. He went. He was there with Moses. He was under the glory. So Joshua, you now you now realize why. When Moses sent the spies into the land, why they brought their own report, then you now see two other guys came back with, the, with another spirit. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Joshua and who? And they had a different spirit about them. Amen. When he came to when he came to Israel, so see those two men, Moses and Joshua. God had they were they partook of that mountain experience in Sinai. Then God shared they had they had shared their own work for them. Right, is that one of them would do first the first part of it? Praise God, but he couldn't do the rest. Moses could do a part of it, but Moses could not do what? Moses could not do the rest of it. Because even Moses had a limitation. How many of you believe that Moses had a limitation? Moses had a limitation. At some point, Moses sinned. (laughs) You know, Moses was not perfect, right? Even though he was in the glory, he wasn't perfect. Moses was still, Moses was in the school of the name. He was in the school of the name. But I, I don't, but he never graduated from that school. I don't think he did before he died. Praise God. When, what God actually was that you did not hallow my name before the people. You did not hallow my name. 
didn't sanctify my name among them. There was, there was a way God wanted Moses to handle his name among Israel. He couldn't perfect it. He couldn't quite perfect the handling of God's name. Even though he was in the school, it means that Moses was in the, in the school of everlasting life. Right? But, but Moses did not, did not come into everlasting life. He died in the wilderness. But it didn't, the everlasting work wasn't completed in him. Praise God. So when God, so amen. Praise God. Jesus. <laughs> Sontorio Gosti Vrantelianashta Ale Prahatenasi Kaven Tolio Sepanianata. Welcome to the realm of your calling. Welcome to the realm of your calling. Welcome to your profession. Welcome to the purpose for your calling. Welcome to the realm of the purpose for your calling. For the journey is yet far, but you've come a long way. The journey is yet far, but you've come a long way. This is the realm of your calling. This is the realm where you've been called for. This is the profession. This is what you were made for. You've come to that realm. Lot a lot liga brate vrecoste brate elevrenoti calia basa. You are not alone. You are not alone on this journey. You have not been alone on this journey to the point you have come. And even further where we are taking you, we are with you. We are many, 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 many. We are many. We are many. We are many. We are many with you. We are many with you. We are many, 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 many. We are many with you. 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 Only believe and keep joining. Only believe and keep coming. Only believe and keep coming. Just keep coming for we are excited. We are excited and we have plans to open more. More clarity will come. Do not doubt in your heart for understanding will come. Clarity will come. Understanding is coming. Light is shining. Darkness is being unveiled. Darkness is being unveiled. This is the end. This is the end of sins. This is showing the ends of sins. And this is showing the realm of serving the living God. Says the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you.
Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So you see, Jesus, Moses sees, um, Moses sees, Moses' ministry to Israel, it, uh, it had its, its limitation. And then at some point, God had to now say, okay, it's time to bring in another kind of ministry. Right. So God, God had to raise Yeshua, which is Joshua, to bring about the, to make Israel do what? To make Israel enter. Now, so Joshua was that was the Joshua had some things. He had something about about him. There's a way God the development of Joshua. Joshua was the was developed. It was developed for. Joshua was developed for entrance. That it was a training that God gave to Joshua. I mean, how do you enter and take this land? How do you enter and take what? And take this land. Now, I'm not really talking too much about even their own individual development, like Moses. You know, when God took him above, and God showed him the whole land. Right? God said, you will see. So that, that will tell you that, in terms of for him personally, there was no need for God to even hide it from him. In other words, he has a right. If it was just him, you know what I mean? It's okay for him to even, if he, maybe in God's mind, to even go by himself. Like if God wanted to take just him alone. God has done enough in him for him to, to go far. Only God knows how far he had already gone with God. No, he was ahead. He, was already, he had already done wilderness 40 years before he went back. So when you calculate how much Moses was all together. Minimum 80 or Praise God. Imagine that kind of thing. Amen. So he was, praise the Lord. So I'm not talking about their individual. I'm, not, I'm talking about their ministry to Israel, right? Their ministry to, to download something. So what God wanted to do is download wilderness school and make that school prosper inside the Israelites. Then afterward, Develop, download the wisdom, the capacity for access into the, to the people, to carry the people through. So there are different kinds of ministry. So it's very clear that Joshua did a higher ministry than who? Than Moses did. Because of the wisdom he was able to bring to bear upon the people. It's a greater work to take them across in that time and in that terrain into the promised land. Amen. Amen. 
So that, the book of Joshua is actually the book of entrance. Right? It's the book of, of what? It's the book of entrance. The book of entrance. It's the book of entrance into everlasting inheritance. The book of accessing, how to access everlasting inheritance. Okay. The book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua, you find the curriculum of that's how the book opened, with the curriculum of the veil, of the parting of the veil. That river of Jordan was actually representing the second veil. You know, the way the Red Sea was like the first veil, which Moses took them through, which is the veil you have to pass through initially into the sanctuary. Amen. Amen. But the, the, the river of Jordan was a different kind. And Jordan wasn't like Red Sea. It wasn't like Red Sea. It was actually a different kind of of work that had to be done for, for the people of Israel to be able to pass through the Red Sea. Amen. Amen. So the book, of, the book of Joshua started with the Lord telling him that you have been around this mountain for too long. That is time. Let's read. Let's go to Joshua and read. Amen. Amen. So the, the way, thank you, Jesus. So the, the way the books are arranged, there's so much wisdom in, in these things. Right? You see, after Joshua, Joshua leads to Judges. So Judges is, is talking about the era of judgments in Israel. So that's where the access into it give, brings you into. When you gain access into the holiest, you begin to face the throne. The throne is actually where the, the, the realm and the season of judgment. So the book of, of Judges is around, around the season of, of, praise God, of God's judgment upon Israel. Praise God. Now, Let's just read Joshua chapter 1 a little bit before we go. Verse 1. So now after the death, so he began with the death of Moses, right? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, Unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of of who? Of Israel. And every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Amen. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, Shall your coast shall be your coast, amen. And there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Uh, verse 6: Be strong and of a good courage, 
For unto these people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to do what? To give them. Amen. So you're seeing the, the clarity of the, the specifics of this inheritance which he was supposed to bring the, the people of Israel into. Amen. So the, the land which God swore unto the fathers to give them, it was not the land, it was not the wilderness. Right? God did not swear concerning the wilderness to the fathers. Amen. But God swore concerning a land beyond the Jordan. Amen. Which was the land of inheritance. So that, that land was actually, is actually a realm of oath. Right, the, the land which God wanted to give unto them. So, in the book of Ezekiel, God made a difference between... Now, by this time, these guys, they had possessed the wilderness. The wilderness was their own. Right? They actually owned it at this point. They owned the wilderness. But that was not the land. So, God actually gave them wilderness. But that's not the land which God swore to their fathers to give to them. So... Christ is not what God swore to give you. Even though you will be an inheritor of Christ, but Christ is not the land that God swore. Let's see the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Praise God, we have to finish, have to finish right now. But... Amen. So, in the book of Ezekiel, he, he made the praise God, he, he give a bit of clarity concerning these different lands that that the people of children of God will inherit in their in their journey. Amen. Amen. In from verse twenty four, he says that he said that I will for I will take you from among the heathen. And then gather you out of all countries and then will bring you into your own land. That was the first place you will come into. This, your own land here, is the wilderness. Christ is your own land. Praise the Lord. That's the first, when they bring you from the heathen, when you come into the world, right, they will give you, God has to give you your own land first. Now, before you were, the God brought into your heart, your own land, you were first in the house of bondage, right? which is actually, they call it the strange land. Like, for example, how do this refer to Babylon? When, you say, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? When those who took them captive require from them a song by the rivers of Babylon. In the Babylon, those rivers is talking about the rivers of the world, and said, "No, we cannot sing the long song in a strange land." So, so the, the strange land is the world, right? That's where the Satan has kept every soul in the world. Then, but first of all, God can't just take you from a strange land to His own land, which is the land which He has swore to the fathers to give you. Praise God. So, but that land. Amen. Amen. They have to first bring you into your own land first. The land which they bring you, which they call your own land, is, is a land of a man. 
It's a land that, become, that belongs to a kind of man that is not a stranger to God. That is what Christ, Christ is an intermediary realm of inheritance in the spirit. Right? Is is the realm, is the realm, Christ is like a ground that God can relate with. Why? Because you are not strange. Do you understand what I mean? You are not strange. God can't relate with his people in Egypt. Even though they are his people, he could not. He told Moses, no, go and tell Pharaoh, let them go. Let them go to come and serve me. They can't, I will not let them serve me in where? In Egypt. I'm not going to bring a tabernacle to Egypt. I'm not going to build anything in Egypt. I'm not going to do anything in Egypt. Why? Because Egypt is actually a strange land. So are you seeing that? Are you seeing why they must first deliver you from worldliness first before they can open the conversation of God? Before God can even start to talk to you, you must not be worldly because the world is a strange place. God will not come there to have, it, have dealings with a man. So God will say, I want to bring it to but first. I have to give you your own land first. We have to remove you from that strange place. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Amen. So I will bring you into your own land. And then when I bring you into your land, then I can now begin to work on you. And be, I will begin the first, the initial Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and then you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from what? All your idols will I cleanse you. And then a new heart also will I give you. Praise God. And a new spirit will I put within you. Amen. And then I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and then I will give you what? An heart of your flesh. So it's very clear that this thing called heart of flesh is actually... A good conscience. Right. Or what you call a pure heart. A pure heart is what you call. And a good conscience is a a state. It's talking about the the fullness of Christ. The point there I've come into, right? The the calling I was talking about has rested on you at this point. At this point, I'm a partaker of the heavenly calling. Like you bear a calling. You have embodied the calling. So a calling can only be put on you in the wilderness. God will not bring calling upon a nation in the world or in Egypt. So they have to send a Moshe or a Moses. <laughs> Praise the Lord to go and bring him out, bring them out of Israel into their own land. So what is, what is your own land? Your own land means that it's a land where you are free. You, are, you have been delivered from masters. That's the difference between their experience, right, in Egypt and their experience in the wilderness. In Egypt, they were made fetchers of water and hewers of wood. Fetchers of water and hewers of wood. We never have time. If God say, I want you to serve me now. Let's say Moses went to go and start building Banner calling Goshen. Who will who who will go there? Who praise the Lord? Amen. It's not going to work. Why? Because those guys will be busy fetching water, be the hewing wood, because they were under the the constant 
In other words, Egypt was a land of callings. The callings in Egypt was according to the vision of Pharaoh. Pharaoh had task. It was, it was a taskmaster, tasking the soul. You can never have time for anything that is, that is developmental in Egypt. That's the way the world is. You will never think about development. The world will make sure that you have things to do. You are constantly bombarded with, with, with projects, with this one, that one. You can never. So for them to begin to develop you, you must be brought into your own land. That's the purpose of the season of wilderness. That's why wilderness always has that element of you. Things that occupy you and take your attention and take your energy, they remove all of them. Is a safe space for God to begin to do things. He will put clean water upon you, and He will clean, and you will be clean from your filthiness and from your idols, and I will cleanse you. Then, after a while, so the cleansing, and those cleansings are the works of the faith. Praise the Lord, the faith of the Son. Until after a while, He will give you a, what a new heart. A new heart will emerge. And then he will now pour a new spirit upon the new heart. Amen. A new heart, that word new heart is actually a place of hope. It's a hope. It's when the, 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 the faith has given birth to hope. Faith is the initial cleansing has produced a hope. Amen. For that hope, the new spirit. So the new spirit is a new spirit of the heart, which is charity. Charity is the spirit of the heart, which they will put. is the new spirit. Charity is a new spirit for the new heart. Amen. And when you put that spirit, amen, upon the heart, then I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and then I will give you what? An heart of your flesh, which is a good conscience. When you've come into a good conscience with your heart. Amen. Then verse 27 I will put my spirit within you and then cause you to walk in my statutes and then you shall keep my judgments and then do them. Are you seeing that? So putting my spirit within you and causing you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So first, my spirit within you, amen, is, praise the Lord, is a. It's, this one is the spirit of God. That's my own spirit. That's God's own spirit that has to rest within a man. It's a change of spirit. The spirit that was upon Joshua, a different spirit. See, the man whom a different spirit was, that will make, it's a different spirit that, that will make, ah, okay, we'll, we'll talk about it. I feel like there's something about this spirit here that we should spend some time on. That's how you know a person who has come into this, he has begun to taste of my spirit. This my spirit is, it, the, the way that you can tell that spirit is coming upon a soul is the attitude towards the spying of the land. Praise God. There's a spying of the land. Before you can, they will bring, God didn't just transport Israel there. They have to send spies first. What, what is a spy? It's a revelation that's traveling that's coming to you. You are hearing, you have to check out the land. It's a kind of testing to see if they're, and, che- and check it. It wasn't all the 12 men from all the tribes that had a good report about the land. But even just ha- having two enough, 
was enough for God to say, okay, no problem. Let's move these people into. It's time to begin for, for Joshua's ministry to begin. So before you can take that way, that new and living way, there will be season where the spies, that spy means, to spy means what? Um, amen. Spy means what kind of, the reason for spying the land is for you to form, to, to check what is your attitude about the land. What is you? How do you feel about the land? So sometimes the Lord will, because spying the land produces a report about it in your heart. Some had an evil report. Some had a good report about it. So when the things about the land begin to register on you, heaven is checking what kind of a heart does this person actually have. Praise the Lord. So he said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And then ye shall dwell in that land which I gave your fathers. And ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. So, see, the land which I gave your fathers is the actual land of inheritance, which the, the way is leading to, which God told Joshua, praise the Lord, that you will bring the people into the land which I swear to give unto your fathers. Amen. Um, time has gone today. Let's, um, let's begin praying. Jesus. Shamaratai iklafarona makasto. Orikama hosetariandosa prahatala masia. Ramalek hafra oriara vastoske. Mandre lima surya te prakahuri kariara masurienta prahastu praharioskepe. Mandre dosi, mandre dose, mandre dosi, mandre gose, mangri koske libre. O mikama, o mikala, 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 o mikala. O Mikalias to Prandelia Ramasus de Libro Hurivantai Kanduri Alamosus Otoriam Brobe Ahamamaya Gama Ora Ori Kanjoy Likasoli and Jori Kayaramasus Otoria Ramasus Otoria de Brandeliveriloske Mamai Kayen de Liso Sorien de Librantai Akrisas Colegrian Sosketi Veranihai, 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 Serielon, Jeriala Mazuri, the Mosque, Ramana Tapara, Mama, my Gelion, Sataya, Yala Mazuri, and Damagush, the Pahara Masaya, Onikam Brahadose. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mata Nikaha. Oh, we give you praise. We give you praise. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this preparation. Preparing us. You are preparing us. You are preparing our heart. You are preparing our soul for, to enter. 
Father, we thank you. We receive your ministry tonight. We ask you to bring more clarity, more wisdom to the things that you are showing us. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your name. We bless you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim.